Have you ever said to yourself, I would love to do this thing like go to the gym or start a business or take on a special project or maybe even attend a social event, but you just can't seem to find the time? Do you ever feel like a total slave to your busy schedule, hoping that someday it will open up and you will be able to do that thing you've been putting off or maybe even just something that is purely for fun? In today's world, time is our most precious commodity, and it is the one thing that we cannot increase. Like, there are only ever 24 hours in the day and seven days in the week, so if you're a busy person, and I know you are, every minute counts, and I know you want to be using it wisely. On today's episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, I'm speaking with Reclaiming Your Time guru, Elaine Shannon, who has all kinds of hacks for managing your minutes and uncovering hours that you probably didn't even know that you had. Today, Elaine is going to help you solidify a plan that allows you to work ahead, plan with strategy, work efficiently, and even have that dreamy time off to truly rest. Sound too good to be true? Well, I promise it's very true. Getting your precious time back is in your very near future. So let's not waste any more of it and dive right into today's episode. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Elaine Shannon. Welcome to the show. I am just so excited to have you here to chat about about time management today. How are you? I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm pretty good, Kelly. And uh, this is one of my favorite topics and has been for many years and in many different ways. Yes. Well, Elaine, I've known you for a long time. I'm thinking back to when I first met you. I was in a packed pub. It was a networking event. And here was this little woman just bursting with energy. You were running around with your video camera and taking video interviewing people. And I just saw you across the room and I thought like, who is that woman and how do I get her in my sphere? And I'm pretty sure later that night I was on your video camera and- And it's probably on YouTube. I think it's there. (laughs) It probably is. I actually remember, I think I swore in the video and I said, you'll have to edit that out. And you said, no, 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 I don't edit anything out. So somewhere on YouTube is a video of Elaine Shannon interviewing me and I swore on camera and there it is. <laughs> and that speaks to my uh, produ- production skills, but not my editing skills. So you get what you get. <laughs> yes. And from that moment forward, I try to be a little bit more careful with the potty mouth. Let's be real. <laughs> well, yeah, because you never know. So I guess it was a good uh, aha, right? And a check-in on, uh, and that was at the very beginning of all this social media stuff. It really was, yeah. Kelly. It really was. It was pre-Jude. It was probably 10 years ago. So Elaine, you have been on a quite an entrepreneurial journey, at least since I've known you and I know well before that. So 20 years as an entrepreneur, um, a film producer and television star. I know you've had your own show over the years. And nowadays, you're helping people to reclaim time and get their time back and be more organized with all aspects of life, not just time management. And 
now you find yourself as a business consultant and coach helping other people reclaim their time and organize their lives. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? I I know it's a long and winding road, but tell us a little bit about how you got from point A to point B. Thanks, Kelly. And it's it's always fun to share. So I guess to look at the breadcrumbs backwards. So I've always been a really organized person. Back when I was a kid, I had a Barbie house and I was always like organizing the furniture for optimal space and then organizing my bedroom. It's like, oh, if I put the bed over there, you know, will I have that? And when, you know, when school started, I was like super excited to get my books organized, you know, get everything written down, my name on the front. All of my report cards said Elaine is an organized person. And so that skill has carried me through my whole life. And and it's one of those things statistically, if you look, only 15% of the population is naturally organized. So I'm, I'm part of that 15%. My brain just goes there. So I'm very, I have that linear um, organizational executive functioning, like those very high for me. And the fun part is over the years as an entrepreneur was I started bringing that other creative side of my brain. And so being a whole brain person has really helped elevate myself as an entrepreneur because I can do both. So I can organize my administrative side, but then I can also sit and create content, which is when you met me um, running around a bar with a video camera. I love it. And can I just say that I would love to get inside your house and open the drawers and see what it looks like in there? Because (laughs) anytime I open a drawer in my house and they are messy, I always think about how you disapprove. So I have to say that I appreciate the fact that you're one of those 15% of people because I am definitely on the 85% side. But here's the other thing, Kelly, I would never disapprove because here's what I love about you is that you are this beautiful, creative person. And I think the world needs all of us. And over the years, I've met so many people who are like, oh, I can't invite you to my house. I'm like, well, then we both lose out, right? Because the world needs my organization and and my type of brain. And the world needs your wonderfully creative brain that, you know, maybe your your drawers are a little messy, but I'm not going to look in them because I only work when I get paid, right? If you invite me into your house, (laughs) I'm not opening closets because I really don't give a, you know, what (laughs) about what your closets look like. I just want to hang out with you and, you know, sip a Bailey's on ice and you have a glass of wine. And so I think that that's part of um, this whole organization thing. And over the years, I really had a struggle with that was people would come into my house and they go, oh, your house is so neat. And I'm like, well, I don't walk into your house and go, God, your house is a mess. Like, it's just, it's been a, a blessing and a curse, I guess. So those are some interesting tidbits, I think, that we as humans, right, we really need to look at people and celebrate those things that we're that they're super good at. Absolutely. And I think too, I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into the psychology of that. So we may not dig deep into the psychology of like deferring making decisions about what should go in the drawer and what shouldn't. But what I think is interesting about you is that you're translating this now into the management and organization of time. And what's especially interesting about that is that we only have so much of it. Like when it comes down to it, that's really the most important current that we're dealing with because money, well, you can make more of that or you can make less of that. Drawers, you can build more of those or take them away or make them bigger. But time is the one thing that's finite and it's not, we're not going to get any more of it, hopefully (laughs) not going to have any less of it. So let's talk a little bit about how we can arrange our time or what your tips and techniques are for arranging time so that we're using it efficiently because we've only got so much of it, right? Yeah. And so just to clarify too, we have 168 hours every week and up until 
whole, I read Laura Vanderkam's book. It was, for me, time was this thing that, I, you know, stuff would get in my calendar, it would come out, I would be like, I'm late for this, I don't have time for that. And yes, Elaine has been late too, because back at the very beginning of my journey, I met a guy and we became the Tardy Twins. So we had no concept of time, no concept of being on time. And so there were a lot of things that I had to shift in my own life around time. The organization was one thing, but the organization of time was a whole other animal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just, when you're young, I think you just don't respect other people's time or you don't even respect your own time. So when I read this book by Laura Vanderkam, God, I can't even remember the name of the book right now. Anyways, we'll look it up. I realized that we have 168 hours and when I could see it, it helped me shift how I thought about time. When you look at a, you know, a calendar, you're looking at blocks. And when you think about your time, it's a, it's a clock that continually ticks and it never ends. But when you have something that, that you can touch and it seems more real, I think it's easier for people to get a grasp of how they are really spending their time, those 168 hours every week. So over the years, I started doing this workshop, probably, I don't know, 17 years ago. And about 15 years ago, I did, I read this book and I did this for uh, a large oil and gas company here in St. John. And I realized that these executives were trying to put more into a schedule that was already super full. Mm -hmm. And so what we had to do was we had to shift how they thought about those 168 hours and what they were going to put in. But before they could put in, they had to take out. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a Jenga game, right? Like we were looking at those 168 blocks and we were putting things in, taking them out, rearranging them. And what I did was I created a visual with a calendar that I hand out at the workshop and there's 168 blocks. And we sat there during our workshops and we started filling them in realistically with the things that had to go in first. And then we started playing around with the white spaces in between. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. I love that. I mean, when you said that, I could already picture a pie graph. And I was wondering how big the slice of pie would be for the time that I spend scrolling social media. And I think it would be a decent sized slice. So let's talk more about that. I love all things visual. Were you finding that there were certain things that people were more inclined to put into their blocks or more inclined to kick out of their blocks? Well, it was interesting. They were they were throwing work in first, right? Because that's what, what they, they focus of the uh, workshop was. And I said, okay, let, let's just stop for a second. And I said, if you don't sleep well, you're not going to do anything well. So we started with sleep and we put the sleep block in first. And everybody's like, what? And and that was back 15 years ago. And not sleeping was like a badge of honor, right? It's like, yeah, I only got, you know, I can work, live on four hours and I can live on three hours and I can take a nap in the afternoon in my car and go back and, you know, sleep with two hours. But now that isn't there. Like that's, we've had a, had a complete shift in our philosophy around sleep and, and the 
importance of sleep. So I was saying this 15 years ago, like you got to get the sleep thing in first. So what we did was we took the biggest block, which is sleep. And we put that in. It's like, okay, um, if you were to, you know, what's your ideal sleep? Is it four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Like pick a number. And then I would wave my magic wand and they would go in and put in the amount of sleep. And the other thing that I said to them is, what is your bedtime routine? And they're all like, what do you mean a bedtime routine? I'm like, okay, well, let's all raise our hands here. Who has children? And can you imagine putting your four-year-old into bed without a bedtime routine? It's like, oh, you're going to go from playing with your Lego. And I'm just going to plunk in that bed and you're going to go to sleep and I'll see you in the morning. That's not going to happen. And so adults, why do we think we're different? So then you put some time in there to account for getting ready for bed or your bedtime routine. Exactly. And everybody's bedtime routine is differently. Some people can be on their device, turn the light off and go to sleep and then wake up the next morning. Some people need to have a little bit of reading time. Some people need to have a bath. Like what do you really need for your brain to say, oh, it's time for us to shut down so that we can regenerate, regenerate, rejuvenate, refresh and heal so that we can get up the next day and be the best person that we can be. It makes sense to me. I'm a nine hour so this a night is, sleeper. This is well, good for you, Kelly. And so knowing that you're a nine hour a night sleeper, like, you know what time you got to go to bed to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just go to bed at midnight and then expect to get your nine hours when you have a youngster at home. It wasn't until, you know, I was cohabitating with Jeff that I realized this guy only needs like five, maybe six hours of sleep per night. So he has hours of time in his day that I don't have because I go upstairs to bed as soon as 10 o'clock hits. That's when I go to bed. And he's usually up and doing things until one in the morning. And that's normal for him. So it's amazing how that differs, right? So almost in a way, people who need less sleep, well, they have more productivity time. And I guess I'm at a disadvantage there. (laughs) But the thing is, here's the other thing is when we look at productivity time, like if I'm tired and I have 12 hours, I'm not going to get much done. So if I'm well rested and I have five hours, I might be able to work circles around most people. So I think there's this magic formula. There's this balance of the amount of sleep required so that you can be at your optimal, so that you can be your best creative self in order to do all the things that you want to do. So, you know, whether you're working a job and that you're deciding that you want to do something on the side and you have children, right? And you, you know, you're, you really want to like suck the marrow out of life. Like you want to do everything. Mm-hmm. But there's this place inside of you that says, okay, we really need to have some sort of, you know, mechanism for this machinery we call our human body so that we can do all those things and do them well and enjoy them instead of it just being a hustle and grind. Totally. So step one, get the important stuff in there, starting with your bedtime routine and how many hours of sleep you need. So what's next? Exactly. So then then you're going to look at the rest of your day. So now if you've taken your 168 hours and you you know you sleep whatever x number of hours a night, then you've got the rest of those blocks and I'm sitting here I've got my notes with me and I get to I'm looking at those white spaces. So then you go, "Okay, well, what other responsibilities do I have in my life? What are the have tos?" And then you would put those in next. So do you have to get your children up? Are you are you doing homeschooling right now? Like what are the things that need to go in the calendar that that you don't have a lot lot of control over. So the sleeping is one, then the managing the other things of your life. So like I said, whether it's your job, your children, whatever it is that you need to do, you need to put those things in next. And then that then you get a really nice visual. And I can send people if they want to have the template for this, I can, you know, if, if people decide they want, they can email me so I can send them off these, that'd be great. And then they can just fill it in. But it's one of those, you know, a real visual, then you can look at the other white space around the stuff that you have to put in there. 
And it's quite interesting how much white space it's there. Just like you said, Kelly, you know, the scrolling, like how much time do you do scrolling? The other day, you know, I thought, oh, here's, I've just realized I have another time hijacker in my life. And, you know, pre-COVID, it's people coming into your physical space, right? It's people popping into your office or one of those things. But post-COVID, we're looking at virtual people popping into our virtual space uninvited. So Facebook, right? So, you know, messengers, messenger alerts, email alerts, like all of those things are time hijackers. You didn't ask them to happen. They're they're knocking on your door. You have a choice. Like you can turn your alerts off and then you can set a time in your calendar every day where you actually go in and you block that time to go look at those. And, you know, you could block a time in the morning, midday, afternoon, and then you can pop in and pop out. And then you can set aside part of that time that you do for, you know, your that virtual knocking on the door is like, maybe you do sit on the internet at night and look at pretty pictures on Instagram. I know I look at yours, Kelly, they're lovely. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would definitely be leaving some time in there to scroll Instagram. I find it very inspiring. Uh, You know, I don't think it's a complete waste of time. Don't get me wrong. But um, it makes you feel good, right? (laughs) Yeah, we all need that balance. Um, But I think it's very interesting what you said, and it's worth reinforcing because I've always said that your email list isn't your to-do list and stay out of there. Because one thing that I was doing in my business for many years was waking up in the morning, making my cup of coffee, logging on and looking at my email. And before I knew it, two hours would have passed. And I realized I didn't actually get to the things that I need to do today. Instead, I was responding to all of these communications. So it didn't take me long before I was like, that's going to stop. I need to flip this over. I need to do the things that I need to do first. And then I'll go over and look at what is hiding in my inbox for me right now. You were using the most important two hours of the day to look at, you know, everybody else's idea of what you should do with your time. Right. So what advice do you have for people to structure their day so that they're not getting caught in that ham? wheel of communications. So one of the tips that I love is the sort of the last 30 minutes of the day tip. And and this goes back to when I did work at this oil and gas company. So one of the executives said to me, yeah, I come in, you know, at seven every day and I go through my emails and, you know, I'm, I'm getting stuff done. And I said, okay, so how much stuff are you getting done? He goes, you know, some stuff. I'm looking at emails. And I said, who else is coming in at seven? Well, he says, suddenly everybody else is coming in at seven. I'm like, well, you're the boss. So if you're coming in at seven, everybody else is. So I said, what if you tried this? Instead of coming in early and trying to, you know, power through the email list, what if you spent the last 30 minutes every day going through all of the things that you have on your desk, like the paper stuff, your email stuff, your phone stuff, like your whole to-do list. And you spend the last 30 minutes of the day figuring out what the five most important things are that you want to get done next. And next might be the next day or it could be the next week. But what are the five most important things you want to get done? And so he's like, oh, okay, I'll try that. I'll shift this around. So he did. And so, you know, he did the last 30 minutes of the day thing at work. And then he did it at home to sort of get ready for the next day. And after about a month, he's like, it's magic. And I said, why is it magic? He said, because literally the first two hours of my morning, nobody is sending emails because guess what they're all doing in their office? They're sitting there looking through the old stuff to try and figure out what to do next. So he was getting a jump on the game. So he started the day running. He started the day productive. He started the day empowered with his top five. And he said it changed everything. And so then they started adapting that through the whole company, at least through, you know, back then. And so I still, get emails from people that worked at that company that say, I still use the top five and I'm still using the last 30 minutes of the day and I'm still bookending my day with 
things like it, they're just things that work. And I had another participant who came to my seminar and he, he sent me an email probably like two weeks later. He said, Oh my gosh. He said, I'm sleeping better. He said, cause I went through everything and it's not in my head now all night while I'm in bed doing the laundry list of, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do tomorrow? So because he did that before he went to bed or at the end of the day at work, like he's, he said, I'm sleeping better. I sleep like a baby. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, that's what I love to hear. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. I think the most amazing thing about this method, so picking your big five things kind of the day before that you want to do the next day, is that now you've got something tangible and objective to say, okay, I did what I set out to do today, like check, check, check times five, and now I can move into the other things. So I think that's really important advice. I don't know that many people wake up in the morning with a really clear picture of what they'd like to accomplish that day. I think most of us kind of just wake up and you know that there's things to do and you just start doing the things. And then before you know it, the day has passed and you realize, because, oh, I didn't yeah. do these important things. Well, and you're living by default because you're live, you're you're going to those emails and whatever the emails are, you're heading off in those directions, right? Because somebody else is deciding what is important with your time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about communications nowadays is that it's an octopus. So you've got your Instagram DMs, you've got your Facebook DMs, you've got your voicemail, which I don't listen to, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, you've got your, your, you know, your traditional phone, your text message your email and it's overwhelming I think for the average person to have to monitor all of these channels and take care of everybody who's trying to reach you in all these different ways exactly so then you by doing this you're driving the bus not everybody else's and so you can do this this technique like you could do it at the beginning of the year right so you could take you know all the things from the previous year go in and look it's like okay what did I do last year what do I want to change like you could do this quarterly you could do it monthly you could do it you know you know besides every day like you can take this one concept and turn it into some really great um, I think goal setting life setting life by design I think that we have we have a lot more freedom than we think we do on how we can live our life and spend our time. Absolutely. And we have the exact same amount of time as Beyonce. So let's just think about that. I know. Gosh, <laughs> the woman, when she trained for that concert, I watched that Netflix special. It's like, wow. <laughs> exactly. And then that leads into batching tasks. So so the, basically those emails our batch, it's a batch task. They're similar. We're using this, the, the same region of our brain for that. So phone calls, returning phone calls, batch those together. Emails, batch that together. If you're doing writing or you're creating content. And then you pick, you go to your nice white space in your calendar and you pick the time of day that's best suited for that activity. 
And how do you know what time of day you're best suited for that activity? Well, this is a little bit of self-awareness, Kelly. (laughs) So, So for me, I know that first thing in the morning, that's my creative time. That's when I'm fresh and I'm really rested. So if I'm going to write or create content, I want to do that late morning. If I want to do emails and, and that sort of thing, I might look at that right after lunch. So pick those times a day. And this is almost like, you know, and I, I challenge people to kind of take a week and do a time audit and look at your day. And it's like, oh, I feel really energized this time of the day. So this might be a good time to do, you know, what I call the money work, right? So what, is, what are your clients paying you for? So that's your money time. When, when are you really on fire and doing that? And so looking at your calendar, it's going to determine. So like you're, you said about your husband, who has a whole different sleep schedule than you. He might have different spurts during different times of the day than you have. So Mm -hmm. it really is. This is an individual. I'm looking at myself and I'm figuring out what works best for me. And it's interesting because, you know, back in our pre-COVID world where people were in their office and and they were working, you know, maybe nine to five or eight to four, whatever, things have changed. People, people's work hours are all over the place, right? So you could be getting emails in the middle of the night because somebody's up because they can't sleep. So you have to figure out what works for for you. And then you batch those things in a way that that work with your energy. And then and then as a courtesy to people, you can have autoresponders on your email that say, Hi, this is when I respond to my emails. You know, I appreciate you connecting with me. And I think you can do autoresponders on pretty much all social media now if they're pretty good. And you you let you inform people you let them know what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. people appreciate that. So then they don't think they're being ignored, even though they're, you know, waiting. 10 minutes after they send an email, but it's all about informing and and that communication. And that goes a long way for people going, wow, I really respect the boundaries. There's a great word, the boundaries that she's put around her time or he's put around his time. Yeah. So hundred percent get that. Now you mentioned the word time audit. I want to dig into that a little bit more because I'm thinking that listeners are like, time audit, wait, what's that? How do I do that? So what advice do you have for conducting a time audit so that you can first be taking an inventory on how you're spending your time. How does a person do that? Well, this is interesting. So my 24-year-old daughter is home right now um, in isolation with us during this time. And I got up one day and I'm like, oh, I didn't walk two days in a row and I feel really bad. And I was kind of getting down on myself. And she's like, mom, I have this system I do. And I'm like, what? And she goes, well, at the end of the day, I go in and I write in everything I did that day. Like, you know, when I walked and when I did this and that and when I, you know, and Jillian's been doing tons of writing, like she's been writing for, you know, blogs and those sorts of things. And she's said, that way I can look back and audit how I spent my day. Because for some of us right now, we have more time than we're used to having. Uh, For others, we have less time than we're used to having. But if we go, if we just kind of go through and let it take us on a wave, we look back a, a week ago and we're like, what the heck did I do? So with the time audit is you literally go in and write in in your 168 hours, what did I do this hour? Or, you know, maybe it was a 30 minute Uh, time block. And so take your calendar or go online and print off something and just really dive in and see and write in. You know, I scrolled for an hour and a half on Instagram or I binge watched Netflix for three hours. Like just, you know, and maybe you're feeling bad that night and you just wanted to sit with your family and do that. It's okay. But it's, it really gives you a visual, like something you tangible that you can touch. And I can see every one of those time blocks and what I did with it. Okay. So let's say we do it. Let's say I did it this week and I learned that I'm spending an hour a day mindlessly scrolling and I've decided that that's not a good use of my time. So what do you do with that? 
Well, then, then that's when you go back to your priorities. So what are your priorities, Kelly? What are your values? How is it that you want to be spending your time? And if you feel okay doing that, then that's okay. But if you feel like, oh, that, that's, that doesn't work for me, then that's where we have to go to that other level. And I think it really is about finding your focus and finding priorities. Because here's the thing. Um, I Googled the other day or I went to Amazon.com. There's 30,000 results on Amazon.com when you put in time management resources. 30,000. Okay, so I did this workshop six months ago and there were 20,000. Mm-hmm. So every time I do this workshop, I check the number and it goes up every time, like a lot. I believe it. I believe so it because I think in the light of COVID and no childcare, I, I know for sure my work hours have been slashed in half because half the time I'm, uh, you know, responsible for childcare and homeschooling. And it's it's real. Like now our time has just been slashed in half in, in the wake of COVID for anyone who's a parent of an, like a dependent child, for sure. Right. And, and so it's, it's like we all went into a casino in, in uh, Vegas. There's no day or night. Like we don't know what time it is. Like it really, it, it, so this whole pandemic has sucked all of what we know what time is. And so to the point of there's 30,000 how to manage time results on Amazon.com, guess what? None of them are solving the problem of us having enough time. Not one of them. So we're not getting more time by reading these books. The only way we can get more time is we prioritize how we use our time. Mm-hmm. And so one of the the exercises I take people through is a values exercise. And uh, so you can find them online. So you go in, you know, look at, look at a list of values, circle the values, and then circle it, get it down to one, which value means most to me. And then what you do is you filter everything that comes into your sphere, everything that comes into your life, every email you get, every, every request of your time. And you filter it through that value. And each Either it's going to be, and this is where you create clear boundaries around your time. Is it a hell yes or a hell no? That's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. So that so then all of a sudden you're pushing back and you're like, oh, I just created a boundary. I push back. I'm saying no. And how do you do that for somebody who's never said no before? That's really hard, but I do have a few tips. Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a tonic site. Until I discovered tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today, I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%, that's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. These are important tips because I know that people that are listening are thinking like, yeah, actually, how do you say no? And I think that's why a lot of us get ourselves into these predicaments in the first place because we're trying too hard to be kind and we're saying yes to everything. And the next thing we know, anything that was important to us gets shoved off the table to let in the things that are important to other people for fear of upsetting them. So let's talk about how to say no. That's Kelly, this is this is huge. And so this goes back to my age. I mean, I grew up, you know, as a young mom and a young 
young woman watching Oprah. For 25 years, I watched Oprah. And Oprah was the first person that taught me how to say no, that I could say no. And it was a complete sentence. I'm like, that's really hard. Because I was a yes person. I was just like, I'm type A. And I want everybody to be happy with me. And I want them to see that I'm a fantastic worker and that I get stuff done. And then I realized that none of my important things were getting done. So I was living by default, not by design. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, how can I help women, especially women, say, have that first no. And so I call it the pregnant pause. So when somebody asks you, hey, Kelly, can you do this? Or, hey, Lane, do you have time for this? Or, oh, we're really looking for a volunteer. Or could you sit on this board? Or could you do this? Or could you mind my kid? Or whatever. I mean, the request, there's just a laundry list. So you take the pregnant pause and you just stop and you take a breath. Because literally what you want to say at that moment is, yes, when? Or, yes, sure, I can do that. So by just taking that breath, that's the first step. Take the breath. And then you say, I don't have my calendar with me right now. I'll have to check that and get back to you. If you get to that phase, it will change your life. Okay. So I'm already thinking my calendar is in my phone. How do they know that? (laughs) Maybe you have said it on a podcast. (laughs) Maybe you have a paper calendar. Maybe you have a family calendar on the wall at home. Right. I have or maybe to it's as simple calendar. as saying, I'll just check and get back to you. Maybe it's as simple as deferring. You could say that, but then... But, but the calendar puts a space between you and the person. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy saying, I'll just get back to you because that's saying no right out, right? Oh, or I'll try. No, try. Do or not do. There is no try. But the pregnant pause, but you can say, yes, I'll get back to you. Or say, I have to check my calendar. Or I have to check with something. But what that pause does is it gives you a moment to really think about, okay, I'm going to put this request through my value filter, And did it come out a yes or no at the end? Mm -hmm. So all these things are, so think of a funnel and there's all these things dropping in the funnel. So everybody kind of visualize. So all the stuff is dropping in a funnel. And then at the very end of the funnel, you know how there's that little tiny space that only a little bit of stuff can come through. Mm -hmm. So at the base of that funnel is your values, is what's important to you. It's your priorities. And so the stuff that fits through is only the stuff that is a hell yes. And so the pregnant pause, the, I don't have my calendar. I'll have to get back to you. All of those things are that filter that help you only put in the things in your calendar that are important to you. So I love that. So I'm a type three on the Enneagram with a type nine wing. And so my business coach always tells me that I'm nine and out when I won't say no to something because I'm very guilty of that. I say yes to a lot of things and it's very stressful because then at the end of all those yeses are things that you need to deliver on that you don't have time for. So when I'm nining out, she'll call me out on it, which I love, but there's still that daunting phase of wording the no. So now I need to ask you, how do you do that? Like, do you stick with honesty and just say, actually, that doesn't fit with my values so that this is going to be a no? Or how do you handle that? So I'm just trying to think lately, uh, somebody asked me for something and I said, no, this isn't a good time. No, I don't have time in my calendar. No, sometimes I just say no. Thank you for the offer, but no. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Thank you for the offer, but no. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose it depends very much on what the request is. They're all going to be very different, but maybe it's something, uh, at least a circumstance where you could give a recommendation for somebody who might say yes, or a recommendation for a resource that would help them kind of get to but their- But you don't even have to do that, Kelly. 
Really? So, so now, so what you're doing is you're still involving yourself in the process. I mean, it's kind, right? That's a kind thing. No, I can't do this. But sometimes it's just a no. Sometimes there isn't somebody. So for instance, somebody calls you because they want photography, but you can't do it. And you have somebody you recommend. That's one situation. Mm -hmm. But But what if somebody's calling me to be on their board? You know, oh, Elaine, you get stuff done. And we really love to have you on our board. Like you're the kind of person we want on our board. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm volunteering and, 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 you know, I'm at sort of, here's another one. I'm at my capacity for volunteering. I'm at my capacity for giving free workshops. I'm at my capacity, right? And so that's another way of saying no without just saying no. But there is, it's really you setting boundaries, clear boundaries around your time. And it's hard. This is really hard. This is a whole slippery slope for a lot of women. It's been ingrained in us to say yes. It's been ingrained in us to, you know, to be helpful, to be kind. But saying no isn't being unkind. Saying no is saying yes to you. And that's the biggest, the best kindness that you can do. Absolutely. Well, because if you're saying no to something now, it means that you can say yes to something more amazing later. And always keep that in mind and it'll make it a little bit easier. <laughs> well, ex- exactly. And it's it's a muscle that you really have to practice, right? And so when you look at your calendar and you look at your 168 hours and you decide that, you know, I'm home and, and I really want to start my own business and, you know, that takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. And how can you do that if your calendar is already full of things that weren't on your priority list? They were on somebody else's. So you really have to start deciding. Right. It sounds like the whole thing, you need to start with what your priorities are. Write those down and then go back to that every single time something tries to go into your calendar. Exactly. Very amazing advice. So Elaine, let me ask you some some questions about what lights you up. I already know that getting organized lights you up, but was there like a magic moment when you realized that what you're doing was it for you? Like when you realized this is what I want to do. I want to help people manage their time, organize their lives. Was there a magic moment where you knew that that was going to be your thing? Oh my gosh. I think it goes, it's a little deeper than that, Kelly. Like I love organizing and I love seeing like a nice, you know, somebody's like happy about their calendar or they're happy with their space, or they're happy with their time. Um, For me, it's problem solving. It's taking all of those bits of somebody's life and helping them rearrange it so that what comes out on the other side is magic. So, and that's where my organizational skills work really well in, you know, in in that sort of that coaching and now getting into that mind stuff, right? It's like, okay, what are we going to take out? What are we going to put in? And then let's check it over the next week and then see what happens. And when Somebody sends me a message and says, oh my gosh, I'm sleeping better. This has really impacted a lot of parts of my life. When I'm doing a film production and we were we were filming in Hampton and it was, I don't know, it was like five o'clock and at 5.30 they needed a smoke machine, you know, for the scene. And I'm like, what do you mean you need a smoke machine? So I'm like, okay, five o'clock, 5.30, I made three phone calls, you know, knew the person and it's like, oh, there's one down the street. So I was able to pull a smoke machine out of somebody in Hampton at 530 for for this uh, for this production we were doing. So it's organizing in all kinds of different ways. So that was sort of having that network, organizing my network, um, having that time myself, those peak experiences really, for me, it's it's seeing that win on the other end. 
I can totally relate. Okay, so we've talked a lot about living life on your own terms, which I love. If you could dream up, let's say, three tidbits of advice to the listeners who are chasing their dreams, what would it be? Oh, if you're chasing your dreams. Oh my gosh, I'm still chasing dreams, Kelly. (laughs) I've been dreaming and scheming and I'm really into the law of attraction and manifesting like, and celebrating the closest of the match. I think that's important. Like really set your dreams, talk about them, write them down, do a collage, like do a Pinterest board, do whatever you want to do. Um, I'm really visual. So for me, that works. Maybe for somebody, it's like auditory. Maybe they've got a playlist of, you know, of of dreamy, you know, words or whatever it is. But really, like, pull that together and look at it and think about it. And then when stuff comes to you, um, and it always does, when stuff comes to you, and it's not exactly what you asked for, but it's pretty close. Celebrate that closest of the match, write it down. And the next thing you know, you're getting closer and closer to that dream. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. Now, we talked a lot about time and time management, organization, and all of those good things. I'm wondering, what is your best advice for achieving work-life balance? Work-life balance. Yeah, that balance word always kind of gets me. It's interesting because that came up in a card yesterday was balance. And it's like, what do I need right now? Right? What do I need right now? So sometimes it's more work. Sometimes it's more play. What Like that balance thing? I don't know if I've ever had it <laughs> to be honest because my life has been pretty busy i mean at 30 i started having my children and by 35 i had three children and my husband works on a ship and he's gone every second week so i get to play a uh, single mom there and then i started getting into business like by the time my third child arrived and I I think I thrived on chaos for a very long time. It didn't feel like there was a lot of balance, but what it felt like when I was close to the joy, Mm -hmm. I knew that I was in the zone. So for me, it's that, you know, I feel that bubble of joy. Like yesterday, I really needed some downtime. Um, We have a lot of people living in our house right now. So my husband and I went on the Fundy Trail and just being there in that energy, like today, I'm totally energized. So maybe balance is making sure that you're filling your cup as much as you're giving away what you have. And so if you're overgiving and you're not filling, then that leaves you depleted. Mm-hmm. Because what's interesting about this is that we talked about first putting sleep in your schedule. Then we talked about putting your bedtime routine in your schedule. Then we talked about spending 30 minutes discovering what your top five productivity priorities are in your schedule. But we didn't necessarily talk about putting time for you 
in the schedule. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of making sure that that gets in there and is treated as equally as important as the productivity things? Oh, it's it's critical. And I think for every person, that's going to be different. So maybe your bedtime routine includes um, a bath, you know, with a book and a glass of wine and some candles. And so you get two days in a week where you not done that for yourself, right? Because everything seems to be really busy. And Mm -hmm. so it's looking at that and saying, okay, why am I giving up that? And who am I giving and what am I giving it up for? And I guess that this goes back to that knowing yourself, Kelly, you know, there's different times of the month where I can work circles around most people. And then there's times where I just need to rest. You know, yesterday, it was a day of rest. It was a day of just, you know, doing nothing and sitting in the car and then going for hikes and, and those sorts of things. But that could happen in the middle of the week. I'm an entrepreneur. So my time is my own. So it's one of those things where, okay, there's nothing planned today. I don't have to get anything done. I feel like I need to take care of me today. And and because my children are older, I'm not sitting home with little ones, I can do that. So I have now the luxury of that. But there were many times in my life when I didn't. And so one of the things that I made sure that I did when the kids were little was I, I was always taking courses. So those courses helped me pull myself out of the day-to-day grind of my life and learning and being around like-minded people, that really energized me. I remember learning at one point that language plays an important part of this whole thing too. And I remember learning that when someone asks you to add something to your calendar, so let's say you have a goal a business goal, but you say, I can't do it because I don't have the time. You know, my time is already all at capacity, like you said earlier. Um, I remember someone saying, instead of saying you can't, say you will not and just see what that does to your psychology. Because what we don't realize is that we're still very much in control of what our priorities are. We may not be in control over our situation, like with all of our kids at home and things like that, but we're in control of what we choose to be important. There's some, there's some psychology at play there too, right? It's the difference between I cannot do it or I will not do it. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, no, but I love the way you, when you're saying it, Kelly, because there are two different energies. So I can't, meaning something is preventing you, right? So it's an outside force and I will not is an internal. It's mm-hmm. I'm deciding. If you're saying I can't do it, it's really, truly, well, I will not because there would be an opportunity for me to do it if I decided it was a priority. It has been, you know, I think most of my adult life is this this constant struggle, right? This constant thing about time like it's just it's there right and now with this with the pandemic it's like okay so now we have time and I've you know I've said to my housemates the seven of us I said I feel like it's groundhog day some days like we just wake up and it's you know rinse wash and repeat and I thought okay well and it wasn't going well for me because there's been no novelty like it felt like there was absolutely zero novelty and what happens when there's no novelty is time goes super fast so you know how there was all the memes that like march was like 500 days but then april was like four hours Mm -hmm. and so the reason why april went by so fast especially for me because there was zero novelty in the entire month we did the same thing every day for 30 days that is so true April went by fast. 
It did. And so I woke up in May and I went, oh, I didn't like that at all. I like novelty. So novelty is reading a new book. I didn't even read in April. I could not sit and read a book, Kelly. My mind was so, it wasn't even any, I don't know where it was. So in May, I woke up and I said, okay, Lane, you need to get some new energy going in your world. Like you need to read some books. You need to get outside. You need to go in different walks, not the same walk you do every day. You need to go in different walks. You need to add some novelty. And I think that for the people that have children, children at home. And I know that when my kids were little, adding novelty, like doing something different. And thankfully, I mean, for those of us that live here in New Brunswick, we can do all kinds of things. We can go outside, you know, we can take our kids to the beach, you know, be, there, we have tons of beaches or, or doing something that's novel will add joy. It'll make your time feel like it's lasting a little bit longer. And it's not like April where it was a minute, right? So there's these different things that I that I think about time, like it's one of these things that does kind of consume me. I think there's opportunity in everything, right? So it's easy for I think listeners to think like, how am I going to add novelty? Like I'm not even allowed to leave my province or, um, you know, or my area right now. But I think this is the summer that we need to discover our province we're all so quick to get out and go away and go discover someone else's province, like stay home and discover your own province. There's so many places that we haven't taken advantage of as residents ourselves. So we're excited to check out our local our provincial parks, for example, that we've never seen before. So I think we're already kind of thinking about what you just explained without realizing it. Yeah. And for people that don't live here, I mean, for your listeners, they could be anywhere in the world. When you go for your walk, instead of leaving your house, go right instead of left and and you're going to see the world from a completely different perspective. You know, mm-hmm. put your pants on that, put your pants on the different leg. It just shifts your brain and, and how you do things, you know, try different foods, right? So these are things that if you are still stuck in your house and you can't leave your property, what are the things that can be new and different that you can add to your world? I love that so much. Okay, Elaine, let's wrap this up. I want to know what is one piece of advice that you have for listeners when they are finished listening to this podcast that they can go and do to get more time back into their day today? Oh my gosh, you're going to, it's going to go down to one thing. (laughs) The one thing, because they've only got time for one thing today. Oh my gosh. Okay. The one thing that you're going to do today is you're going to write down the things that you're doing and you're going to celebrate all of those things. So the celebrate things that you're doing or being. And so maybe you didn't get out for an hour walk today, but maybe you did five minutes of yoga in front of the TV. Like that's something to celebrate. And so I think that that seems to be, that was what I was doing in April was beating myself up for the things that I wasn't doing. And I thought, wait, Elaine, you're, you're doing great things. You're doing different things. So you're trying new recipes. So, and record those in because researching the recipes, cook, you know, cooking the food, staying home with your children and doing homeschooling, doing the research for the homeschooling, like all of those things have great value. And your children will remember that. They'll remember what it felt like. The people around you will will feel the things the and the energy that you put into it. Elaine, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom and expertise. I think that listeners are going to go away from this and reevaluate how they've been spending their time and reevaluate how they structure their days. And I think that that's just absolutely invaluable because we can't buy more time. We just have to learn how to manage it in a more efficient way. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Kelly. This is a great opportunity. So thank you. And thank your listeners for spending your valuable time listening today. And uh, I just feel so blessed. Thank you. Absolutely. 
See what I mean? I told you it wasn't too good to be true. I really love the idea of auditing the 168 hours that we all have in a week because as difficult as it may be to come to terms with, there's probably some wasted time in there that you didn't know you had. You guys, I don't even want to tell you how many hours I found of mindless social media scrolling when I did my audit. And guess what? Mindless social media scrolling not only isn't helping me get to my business goals, but it's actually not really enriching my life in other ways all that much either. I hope after listening to this episode and grabbing Elaine's workbook, you're able to eliminate the I don't have time phrase from your vocabulary. Because always remember, Beyonce has just 24 hours in her day as well. I love you, Workshop Warriors. Thank you for hitting play on this episode and keep on slaying. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you Workshop Warrior, you.